Welcome to Turning Insight and Inspiration podcast series. Hey guys, today we have Walid here. Um, he's a current colleague of mine. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? So yeah, my name is Walid Masroudi. I'm working in Bristol uh, in a company with uh, Derek. And uh, yeah, I'm French, uh, born and raised there. So did you study in France? Yeah, I studied uh, all my undergrad in, in uh, France, so up to my PhD. So basically, uh, my uh, engineering course were in France. So I had uh, A level in France uh, in science. So that's how it works in France. Okay. And then I did uh, five years of engineering in France. So actually, how it works is that you do two years in of preparatory school. So you just do math and physics uh-huh. for two years, then prepare you to a um, big national exam and you take this exam and after there is like a ranking and depending of how you are in this ranking, you can get have top tier um, in, uh, engineering school or low tier. So yeah, and after you have three years of engineering and then I graduated as an engineer in France and then I did my PhD in, in England, Southampton. So you did your PhD in uh, England, Southampton. How come uh, you wanted you came to the UK to do your PhD? And what what made you consider doing a PhD after your degree? So th- those are two questions. So yeah, so why England first? Actually, the the answer quite is quite of the same because I decided of the PhD because of England, and I did decided of England because of the PhD. So basically, when I was doing my um, engineering school. In France, we had to do two internships. So I did one in England and one in the States. And uh, both were really interested, interesting. But I really enjoyed research and I really enjoy academic because I like the student life and everything. Pretty much uh, uh, natural that I wanted to do a PhD and I was really lucky because the person I, was, I worked wo- with uh, during my internship in England uh, became my supervisor, my su- PhD supervisor. Mm. He was looking for a PhD student and asked me, like the month I finished my my uh, my uh, intern my uh, university um, um, my university diploma, my university uh, engineering university. He asked me that he was uh, if I wanted to do a PhD where I was looking for a PhD. So I've been really lucky on that. So the projects that you worked with, uh, that you worked on for your PhD, was that what did you choose it or did your uh, project supervisor choose it? How did that work? So um, how does it work? So your PhD, your supervisor has a field where he is known for. For example, in my case, it was a st- um, um, st- standing wave. I could do anything I could, I wanted in this field. So it's a pretty narrow field, but still you could decide. So my first year of my PhD was more or less me uh, figuring out the field and uh, what I wanted to bring to the field. And then I had the idea after I think six or nine months of playing around. And then it was just uh, doing my PhD, so. Did you did you know that you would have done the PhD when you were in back in school doing your A-levels or so-called A-levels in France? Oh, no, 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 not at all, not at all. So when I was doing my A-level, uh, I wasn't even sure what I, if I wanted to be an engineer. And then, um, so in France, as I told you, there was like two years of preparatory class. Uh-huh. And you do math and physics, so it opens a lot of uh, doors, actually. You can do engineer, you can become a doctor, you can become 
everything that is really scientific and really hard. Yeah. So engineer, doctor, um, vet, uh, come everything, and that's when I did those two years that I be I uh, decided that I would I, w- I wanted to be become an engineer. Okay. And when I was doing my my uh, engineering, I thought at first that I didn't I wouldn't like academic, that I would like to go into industry and everything. But I did like an internship in Toyota. Uh-huh. Uh, Is that in France? That was in France. So yeah, I did normally you do three two interns internship, but I did three because I redo one of my class because I was just pa- um, not working as much as I should. <laughs> I should have. So yeah, ju- I had to redo a year, but that was good because I ha- I redo an internship. Yeah. Which was good actually because that's where where I did Toyota and where i understood that industry wasn't really for me i like okay. academic i like research interesting so how, how come how come you said um, what about industry did you, didn't appeal to you personally and why yeah what did you see in that in, in that internship that you didn't like so in toyota um, uh, so toyota was great and everything people were great to me and everything so i don't want to be uh, unfair to them but it's just that uh, i just really like the pace of it it's really high 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 pace there is not one minute for you and uh, it's a really stressful environment really the car industry and I think the industry in general because there is like uh, deadlines, weekly deadlines, daily deadlines, even hourly deadlines in some cases. So every time you do something you know you are thinking about the next thing you're going to do. So at the end you feel like a machine really, you don't really use your brain, you just use automatism and oh yeah okay, I have to do this, I have to do this. I was working in packaging. so. Doesn't seem like a stressful environment, but it was really stressful because I had four months to uh, design. I think um, about a hundred packaging. So it's you. I had like one day to do this packaging, but this packaging have to be signed by quality, by logistic, by so you know. So, so did you have a designer? No, no. Yeah, I wasn't designing. Yeah, I was working with an external designer. Okay. So I was, for example, um, asking, uh, like for example, nine designer. For quotation and design for this packaging so I was giving them the parts they were answering with the packaging design and then after that I had to go to uh, review it by myself remove the one I didn't like and then I had to uh, ask I have to select one and then I ask a quality check if they uh, agree with the packaging and then I ask logistic external logistics so the one that are moving the trucks if they like it then internal logistics so the one that are carrying the parts in the assembly line then the assembly manager so there is a lot to do and some some um, not a lot of time uh, to do it so it was really stressful really stressful uh, that's what i didn't like did, did you get like compensation for it like accurate accurate compensation for the str- level of stress no and actually that was one of the depressing parts and actually i've been well, not depressed i wouldn't say but really sad about it is that I found out a flow in the in the procedure, so it's huge. The it's like a eight thousand in uh, plant where eight thousand people are working. It's making a car every minute, so you can tell how much money they are they're doing. And uh, just the packaging itself was twenty million in um, in cost, and just the packaging logistic is like I think it was like thirty millions per year. So it's a lot of money. And I found out something. So I found out that they weren't weighing the the, the, the parts. So the, the packaging have to be a maximum of 10 kilos 
to be held right because of the uh, working medicine you know the, not to break yeah. the back of the workers but they weren't weighing the parts they were taking into account uh, the the weight that was in the system but at one point because i was working in my my father's shop and my father is selling fruit and vegetables so i'm i'm used to telling okay that's one kilo that's one kilo and a half that's two kilos right yeah. so i take the parts i'm like that's not two kilo and a half that's like one kilo and a half so i look for a um, uh, scale and weigh the stuff and it was one kilo and a half but changes the stuff a lot i don't know if you can tell but by putting three parts instead of two parts in the packaging you reduce drastically the logistic costs and i did the, the calculation and by just adding this step of weighing the parts I, do, I was able to put an extra part in two packagings. One of them brought six millions, one million per year in logistic cost. Uh, uh, it reduced the logistic cost of one million a year. So I was like, yeah, that's something huge and everything. So I brought the stuff, people clapped and everything. I mean, they were really happy and I yeah. had like the maximum grade at the end of my internship because this. Yeah. But I still got paid 300 euros at the end of the month, 300 yeah. euros per month. I was like, this is what engineering in the big companies it's normal to do something you know it's it's yeah. it's uh, inhuman um, in a not in a smaller company they would be like okay well, well I, I would give you something or maybe yeah. a promotion or promotion something. or like an instant pay rise yeah or something because yeah. you bought because uh, there's like you bought the company a lot of um return so it's like you you're rewarded but like in a big company that's not the case because I suppose that that's the operational nature of like working in a big company where like the risk is much lower. You, like it's not going to go bust anytime soon, you yeah. know, in normal cases. But the upside is also lower. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's like you're not going to get a massive, huge pay raise. Yeah. So you don't feel important. That's the thing is that when I did that, I thought you would have a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. But the how they react, I felt like nothing is really important one million is not a big it's toyota it's like a hundred billion company so yeah well it's good but that, that's actually a really interesting uh experience that allowed you to actually make a decision that you wanted to do a phd and follow yeah that career i guess in, P in the phd you feel like what you have is what you do you feel like there is value in what you're doing and even what the, what was what i'm doing here i feel like in research in general you, your brain is valued whereas i felt like that's my my uh, my um, experience that in the car industry i mean in big industry you're more like a machine you your, your your brain is valued but just the automatism you can do with your brain and not like the novelty you can bring or the creativity you can bring to a pro to a certain project uh, yeah so Okay, so that, that's interesting that you said that. So in 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 Toyota, uh, most of it, like, would you say like a machine, like a wild program machine, could do it? Yeah, I can I can I can tell that when I uh, uh, intelligence artificial are gonna take over in engineering, like they they will take over everything at the end of the day. They will begin by process and logistic engineer because what they're most of what they are doing because i guess there are some creative mind in this industry as well but what i people i met were doing some stuff that could be automatized in the future i think so they were more like we were 
connecting people more or less that's what we were doing connecting the the um, packaging manufacturer with the logistic uh, supplier with the internal logistics supplier with the quality uh, advisor i mean that's what we were doing at the end we were just sending emails and checking stuff that the quality was all right but uh, yeah I, w I, w i didn't felt like i was doing like a creative input whatsoever and when i did i didn't felt like it was valued yeah you weren't properly compensated basically yeah yeah that is that is a very interesting phenomenon that i'm actually that me myself that i'm um finding out like because i've just graduated now and i'm like i i would want to be properly compensated uh for something that i for my hard work otherwise you know what's the what's the point um because i know like an f1 like one of the interns there they told me because uh, i'm friends with them and they told me yeah the hours are ridiculous they have to like work 12 hour days you know sometimes saturdays and sundays actually most most of the time saturdays and sundays you live in the middle of nowhere but yet you're getting an engineer salary so you're getting all that stress and all that time uh but at f1 because it's so competitive it's you're only you're, you're only still getting um a normal engineer salary so he came to the conclusion that there's no point working in uh, a company like f1 unless you have a massive passion for it and then you want to work in that uh, industry because and then he made a transition that he he said um me after i graduate from aerospace engineering i'm going to go into finance because then at least i can get the money mm. um for the same level of stress and work yeah yeah um, that makes sense yeah which which was interesting all right let's uh, let's go back to um your uh, so you said after your phd you did a, a year postdoc at uh, oxford university yep so yeah um when i finished my phd i was looking for a postdoc like most phd um and uh, there are this guy i was working with actually can you before that uh, explain what postdoc is for the audience okay so when you are looking to do an academic career what you do is that you do a phd then you do two three years of postdoc then you become a lecturer and that's probably the the guys you met when you do university most of them are lecturer and the guys that are helping out are phd students or, or, or postdoc so the postdoc is the step before lecture and after your phd so you're already a doctor or something but you're not yet a lecturer you don't have like a lot of responsibility so the postdoc is under the supervision of a lecturer or a professor and is is actually a, a phd student but with a bigger salary and with a bit much responsibility but still doing something under the supervision of a lecturer so it's actually the normal continuation of phd is to do a postdoc and most of the people uh, their supervisor after they do a phd like okay let's carry on, on the, with the postdoc and everything And for example, most of the people we're working with were doing a PhD and then then did the postdoc under the same supervision. In my case, that wasn't the case. My supervisor didn't have a budget to uh, have a postdoc, so I had to find for another uh, another super supervision. And I found a, a guy I met in the lab, where just had a budget and he liked working with me. So he said, "Okay, I'm looking for a postdoc. Do you want to be a postdoc?" Yes. And uh, was he a lecturer? He was a, a newly lecturer. He was a postdoc when I met him, and he found the place as a lecturer okay. at, in the University of Oxford. I mean, it's a bit more complicated than that, but I don't want to put yeah, yeah. into much detail. 
So I've been to uh, work with him in Oxford, and the the what I was doing was quite dif a bit different, but uh, like hugely different. It was acoustic, uh, on the effect of acoustic in on bubbles. So a bit different to, from what I was doing. So I just had the one year postdoc, so they more or less he had his his this patent. He patented an idea he had. And he wanted to sell the patent to a big company, a big American company. The big American company said, okay, I'm going to buy it, but if you can prove that you can do massive amount of uh, lit. So it's a machine to create uh, macro bubbles, repeatability. And uh, he was looking for a postdoc to be able to, to show that it's possible at a massive scale. And that's what I did. It took me one year. I uh, managed to do it. I mean, I just had one year, so... I managed to do it uh, properly. I was pretty, we were pretty happy with the results. We uh, we uh, published a paper out of it, and the patent got sold to uh, General Electric. So that was. Would you say that would be a good career path to go down if you want to make a lot of money, as in like be a researcher, or would you say it absolutely not? I think it can be, but you shouldn't do it if that's what you're looking for. Okay. If what you're looking for is money. You should go for engineering and finance, for example, as you said. I think that's where the, if you have a, br a brain for math, that's where you should go for if you're lo looking for money. Because in research, you never know what you're going to find. And even worse, you never know if you're going to find something. For example, I guess there is a lot of people that are doing their whole career without having a, a creative idea or any, or maybe they patent some stuff uh, left and right, but nobody wants to to buy them buy them it happens so it's not there is no sense certainty uh, that you're gonna get, get money so I would say if you want to get money for sure go in, into finance if you want to get mm, mm, a bit less money but for sure go in industry because industry is I mean engineering industry is pretty well paid if you are passionate about science and you are a creative mind, you should go into research where you could get a lot of money but you could not get a lot of money i mean yeah. you get like yeah okay interesting um what, what do you what did you um i guess this might be a bit of a generic question but what did you find challenging about um being a researcher uh, doing when you're doing your phd or a postdoc after that so it's actually the downside of what i was saying about industry in industry you have a hourly deadline, a weekly deadline, a daily deadline. So you know, at the beginning of the day, you know exactly what you're gonna do, be doing at nine, at ten, at eleven, at noon. Whereas, well, as a researcher, you begin the the day at eight. You don't know what you're gonna do. You don't know. You're really free. I mean, and it depends of your supervisor actually. But in my case, my PhD, I was really free of doing whatever I want. I was I wanted to do, which can be a bit overwhelming sometimes because you say okay i have to advance the knowledge in science in three years time but i have no idea where to put my first step right there is the 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 i mean the a thesis is like a, a 400 pages and at the end you have to publish something so publishing something means you have to do something that nobody ever done but it's still interesting enough that someone is going to publish you so the task is quite huge if you think of it, but you, where where to put the first step? The you don't know the you know the direction, but it's so far away that 
to follow the good uh, the good um, row is pretty hard. So that's the other, and that's why the first year, some of the depending of what you mind, some of them are depressed, and some of them are like, uh, "Damn it, I'm not doing anything. I'm just gonna party and enjoy my student life. I'm paid for, for it." So depending of what you're doing. Uh, oh, I see some of the people who do like first year. Yeah, the first year is always because is you don't have any direction. Yeah. So it's like, oh wait, <laughs> well, what am I gonna do? Yeah. So it's like coping with that. Yeah. Okay. It's quite hard for the mind actually, and the and. So this is the first year stress, and the, there's the last year stress as well. Is when you are you don't have money anymore because your 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 budget ran out. You don't have money to buy some stuff. You don't have money to pay your salary, but you don't have your thesis yet. So you're you were doing everything pro bono. You don't get paid, and there is like a, the rent is still going, and so this is a stressful part as well. Because you have to finish your thesis and you you submit your thesis to your supervisor. It's like, ah, oh, it's not good enough. You you can work on that one or two months. I'm like, yeah, but I need to finish this because I want to go to to a postdoc and everything and everything. So the beginning is a bit stressful because you don't know what to do, and the end is a bit stressful because you most of the people are finishing their PhD without any budget, so they're not getting paid to work. Yeah. And they work a lot. I mean, at the end of my PhD, I think I was not sleeping at all because I wanted to finish as soon as possible. After your PhD and after the postdoc, uh, what did you do and why did you do it? So, after my postdoc, um, my postdoc was finished, so I was looking for something to, another opportunity. My, um, so the big Ameri American company that bought the patent wanted to hire me because of course I knew the project quite well and they were looking for someone to uh, industrialize this project, right? So, so I was like, okay, yeah, I can do it. And that would be, that would, uh, that was the normal uh, um, procedure, right? But the problem is that Brexit came along. So they wanted to uh, do uh, this microbubble production plant in UK, but because of Brexit, they weren't sure if they wouldn't go to France. And I said, well, I'm French, I could go to France as well, that's fine. But it was taking a bit, a long time, like I was waiting one month, then two months, then three months. And I was like, yeah, well, I have still rent to pay and everything, so will you hire me? Like, yeah, we're gonna hire you, but we are not still sure where we're gonna do the plant, where you, I mean, they were still figuring out everything. And I could tell that they were promising me every time, one month, in one month, in one month. So I was like, yeah, well, I'm Fair gonna enough. find another job. Yeah, yeah. So with my wife, uh, we decided that we're going to share the good opportunity in Bristol. So I decided that I will move with her and then in Bristol I will find for something. And then we moved to Bristol, she was working and I was looking for a job and I found this job that was pretty much what I was doing in my PhD. So I was pretty happy with it. Fair enough. But yeah, do, do you have any advice? Um, even maybe if you don't have any advice for GCSE or level students because it's so far removed from where you are right now. Maybe even if you have like any advice for university students, like young university students uh, still doing their degree, maybe first year, second year. Because yeah. I, I know, because you learned a lot, uh, and actually in your um, Toyota uh, work experience, didn't you? And actually that was a big aspect uh, of, the, of why you did a PhD, and that actually really like turned the course of your life uh, a lot. 
Yeah, I guess yeah, my, my, my advice would be to go for, um, for a work experience as soon as you can. I mean, I don't know how the UK system works. In France, I was fortunate enough that it was mandatory. So I had to more or less. And I learned so much more in five months of internship that I did in two years of university. Because at the end of the day, uh, you can already tell that what you're doing now, you're not really using what you learn at school, right? Yeah. I mean, in my, in my PhD, and it, it was really academics, I wasn't really using what I learned at school. And in Toyota, I didn't use anything. I mean, like uh, just addition, subtraction, division. And that was more or less my level of math I was using more or less. So, um, so at the end of the day, you're not going to use what you learn at school. You have to understand that. So go for work experience as soon as possible. That way you understand what you like and what you dislike. Because from theory, I was I would love car industry because I love uh, I, I like uh, fast paced environment. I like and when I did it, I was like, okay, I don't like car industry. I don't like fast paced environment, and I like research. What well, that I didn't know because uh, I was fed up with university. I was fed up. I wanted to uh, to go for you know in uh, adulthood as soon as possible. And as soon as I touched it, I was like, okay, I want to go back to university. I want to go back to my student life. I love student life. So then I go to a PhD and that was like a bit, one of the best choices in my life, I think. But I wouldn't know that if I didn't go for a work, inv- uh, a work experience. So go for a work experience as soon as you can. That way you know what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, so in closing, like what you think you want is may not be necessarily what you actually want. Oh yeah, not at all. <laughs> so it's especially true in your case. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's true for most of the people, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, you use your student life to figure out what you like by doing society, uh, you know, enjoy life more or less, and do some work experience left and right where yeah. where where you can. Just yeah, time to, to take this time to figure out what you want to do in with your life, uh, and not really. Uh, pay too much attention of learning stuff because all you're gonna learn is gonna f- be forgotten like two hours after the exam or and it's not gonna be very useful at the at the end of the day so yeah figure out what you want to do in your, with your life i guess that's my question that's but yeah that's i think that's a really um really useful uh point to end on really um yeah so i guess i'll see you guys thank you valid for coming on to the podcast yeah, and uh, yeah i'll see you guys in the next episode all right